Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast, brought to you by the Amnor Whiskey Company. I'm your co-host, Jeffy DeGree, joined this season by... This is Jordan here. Jordan, you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I am Jordan Eggleston on Twitter, at JWEggleston7. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast uh, as we record this on Wednesday evening. I'm hoping to have a better evening uh, than I had yesterday evening because it was Halloween. Um, Shout out to (laughs) you've never met my middle brother, a.k.a. Darren, the American. Trust me, Jordan, you and him would get along great. You both have an (laughs) an old soul. okay? Um, and uh, I he's got. Three mostly grown daughters now. That not out of high school yet, but you know, getting older. Um, I'm gonna say roughly seven to eight years ago, I called him because we talk shockingly way more during the football season than, than we do outside the football season. Le- least surprising bit of news ever, I have a feeling. <laughs> so this was circa six, seven, eight years ago. I don't know. And I called him for our weekly check-in on, you know, all things Iowa football and football in general. And he just went into an epic rant about how much he dislikes Halloween. And, <laughs> and this was, I'm pretty sure before I, I actually had kids or not, my kids weren't old enough. And I was like, whoa, you know, Darren the American's hot today. Um, now I get it. It's just ridiculous. You know, like we are literally pulling kids like essentially right from school, put them in costumes an excitable situation, giving them all kinds of empty calorie sugar. It's, it's a dumpster fire. It's it's like literally it's, it's voluntarily designing or, or signing up to jump inside a dumpster as it's on fire. Yeah. As a, a parent with young kids right now, I understand exactly what you're saying because my son, obviously way too young to fully indulge in the how in the holiday my daughter, on the other hand, is the prime age where this is, I mean, she was, to say, to put say she was on crack last night would be a gigantic understatement. Like, we're at my mother's house because she lives in more of a subdivision type, and she's just literally running through the literature of diving on the couch. And Insane. I'm like, in the current state that I'm in, which we'll, we'll get a little more into here in a few <laughs> minutes, I cannot fully discipline <laughs> as I would like to. So it was very difficult for me. I understand where you're coming from. Yeah, um, I typically am very into holidays and sharing them with my kids. Um, I, I I wanted as little to do with this as po- possible last night. There's a whole there's a whole internet thing movement going on to just move it to the last Saturday or Sunday in October and be done with it. I I know that that would potentially carve into college football. I'd be willing to take that risk just to take it away from the weeknights, but maybe that's something I would regret completely once my kids are gone. I don't know. Um, but uh, um, anyways, it was annoying yet. Not the most annoying thing for my podcast partner yesterday. How, how you feeling today, Jordan? We we are, we're a little sore. We're a little, little tender. Uh, as I mentioned to kids, there will not be three. <laughs> for all of those that can infer what I'm getting at there. Uh, There's a little less J.W. Eggleston 7 today than there was earlier this week. Just a very small fraction. Very small. But, very but small. There's, yeah. there, there, was, there was a procedure taken care of yesterday that will limit me from having more children. And I'm, much, I'm very much icy right now trying to help with the situation. Yeah, the, you got the frozen donut type of thing going on right now. So yeah. Bag of peas. Bag, Bag of peas. peas. Bag yeah. of peas. All right. Well, there, <laughs> there you go. Well, speaking of things uh, getting snipped uh, and and removed, uh, not to make a joke out of it, but uh, I already sent out a standalone podcast, my first standalone podcast, 
uh, breaking down Brian Ferentz, um, the announcement. Got called out by, shoot, I, I'm so bad at this. Somebody on Twitter called me out. So let me get this straight. You you know, you put a big uh, podcast out on Brian, but not on the Mel Tucker deal, which rightfully so. It was pro- it was probably a, a good call out for me. So I I I I own up to that. Um, I kind of knew about this news a little bit before it maybe hit the mainstream. Had that podcast on the ready. There were things that I wasn't aware of when I recorded that podcast on Monday. Um, so we're not going to go way into it right here um because otherwise it becomes its own podcast on its own uh so if you really want to know most of my thoughts listen to that podcast but again what i would add now that i have a little bit more info on the subject is uh so he's you know brian ference will not be the offensive coordinator or a member of the staff uh that was something that was explicitly spelled out uh by athletic director beth athletic director beth getz he will not be on the staff next year. So not just as an offensive coordinator on the staff in general, a little harsh there, I would say. Um, and, uh, but what I would like, I, I, I'm not a gigantic fan of this being announced now. Okay. I don't think much is going to change X's and O's personnel and strategy. I would have let, rather have seen this happen after the season was over. If, if it's got to this point, um, you're not an Iowa guy. What, what's your thoughts on that with how this went down and set up with it happening now? The, the whole the whole piece of it just feels weird to me. Like, you had an idle week, so I, I guess if you want to do it midseason, the idle week would have made sense, but even then, it's like, you're going to not bring him back next year, but he's staying on this year, so if he's staying on this year, what's the benefit of even announcing it? It just, it just feels really disconjointed like it doesn't there's not a whole lot of reasoning to why you even make this announcement i mean i think 98 percent of college football expected this announcement just at the end of november mm-hmm. versus the end of october so i don't know if, he, if he's staying on staff and he's still calling plays the rest of the year what does it really matter that's the whole feeling i got from it yeah um and and there are theories that that many have and i i would be one of those many on why it went down now that's a whole nother podcast or Twitter thread. I don't, I don't, I don't know. So we're not going to necessarily dive into that. I will say this. A lot of people are angered that he's still with the team calling plays. I am not one of them. And it is my belief on why he stayed on is because he is simply the best person on staff right now to be the coordinator and play caller the rest of the year. There, there. You know, John Budmeyer is somebody that people throw out to. I'm not saying John Budmeyer can't do it. I, I know the dude that well, but I don't know that he can. Okay, because I've never seen him call plays at this level. He is a, you know, basically a quality control guy, you know, uh, type of deal. So, so to just put that on his shoulders, I am not here to say that that's the best way to go. And and Iowa fans and naysayers together saying that that's what should have happened, crazy. But I don't think they're thinking this thing all the way through. So you're saying that this isn't Madden and not everybody can just pick up the sticks and call plays and be successful. Like that, that's not what crazy theory, the Madden theory or way to explain it as, as facetious as you're being, honestly, like it's about as deep as what people go sometimes. Yeah. People, people honestly think that you can just, anybody can step in and call plays, but if if anybody could do it, anybody would do it. There's a reason that these guys are, paid what they're paid to do this job it's not as easy as it looks it simply is not um 
there there are real life things that have happened, namely the the injuries and some stuff. So like the injuries is, is certainly not anybody's quote unquote fault, right? Um, so that is a real reason on why the offense is struggling. It's just that every team has injuries at some point, you know, so like you can't continually use that as a crutch. So I'm kind of dancing on both sides of the fence, but to just throw away the injuries as a nothing burger, not, also not the right call. The other thing I wanted to add was Brian Ferentz is like an ultimate Hawk. Okay. And played there. No, nobody loves Iowa more than Brian Ferentz. The, the statement that he put out yesterday was a classy statement. Any fans. And yes, of course there are a lot of them are Iowa fans that are dancing all over him, that's more of a reflection on you personally than I think it's on Brian Ferentz. Because I'm I'm telling you right now, whether Iowa fans believe it or not, Brian Ferentz and Kirk Ferentz really were trying to do what they thought was best for the football program. Okay. I, I can't believe people, I have to like talk people into that in some capacity. I know it looks horrible. Don't nobody... Nobody is doubting how bad the offense has been. I'm sure if, if you had a beer with BF, he would tell you the same thing. But that doesn't mean that like there's some sort of big joke being played here. They thought they were doing the best they could to, to put the players in the right position, that this was the best path. It just didn't work. That That's what's going on here. Yep. I, I don't I, There's not a whole lot more I can say about it. I think that's I think we put this baby to bed. Last thing, <laughs> and then we'll put it to bed. The Kirk Ferentz presser. Again, I, I guess people thought he would like, like I, I put out a j- joke tweet about him. Like, is he supposed to like skip into the press conference? Like, you know, blowing bubbles. Like, I I don't know. Like, of course he's mad, but he handled it professionally. He answered the questions and very quickly it was like on to Northwestern. Okay. We've got a football game here on Saturday against a rapidly improving team. Let's focus on that which is why he's so annoyed in the first place. Yes, partly because this decision was taken away from him for sure, but also because he believes this is a distraction from this team and this players right now. Again, a nuance that I'm shocked that people just can't think their way through with that. Once again, what do you know? A head coach trying to do his job and prepare for a football game and people are shocked. All right, that's that. So and one would think I would have the craziest volatile uh, uh, time on Twitter with his football team of this podcast, but Jordan's still in the running <laughs> as he puts his hand up. We talked about this pretty extensively the last one or two podcasts, I think. Uh, is there anything you'd like to add as the the drama continues? We still have nothing from the NCAA. That's that's the whole thing of all this. All we have is what's being given to media sources and what these media outlets are reporting. The one thing on the Michigan side of it that I'll hit on is the University of Michigan traditionally has erred on the side of caution with these kind of things. And they've been very much like we don't want to be in a negative light. We don't want to be portrayed as breaking the rules. Well, this week they have come out and flat out, you know, there was the rumor about Harbaugh's contract being rescinded. The rumor now is he's supposed to sign this extension today, tonight, tomorrow, somewhere in the next two to three days, and it's supposed to make him the highest paid coach in the conference. So the university is backing Jim Harbaugh, and more more importantly, the Board of Regents is backing Jim Harbaugh because there are a few people on the Board of Regents in Michigan that kind of put their nose up at athletics still somehow in this society, which doesn't make sense, but they do. The rumor is the Board of 
unanimously voted to move forward with the contract extension. I mean, it's Wednesday evening. We're still waiting. Thursday, maybe Friday. It's supposed to happen soon. So So what I would add is I treat a lot of things I hear on the Ohio State and Michigan State side as quite a bit of rumors. Um, I will assume this is a rumor as the world turns. You know, I I guess we'll just we'll see how it plays out Um, again. Jordan and I like to mostly talk about football, right? So let's talk about some football. We have got seven Big Ten games this weekend. Seven times two means 14. That means we have all 14 teams playing this weekend. Three games early, three games in the afternoon, one game in the evening. All of these games are played this Saturday, November 4th. First game up, the 8 0, number one Ohio State Buckeyes at the 5 2. Rutgers Scarlet Knights. This is an 11 o'clock a.m. game on CBS. Line Buckeyes by 18 and a half over under 42 and a half. So Vegas is saying something like 30 to 12 Buckeyes. 60 degrees and sunny. Looks like a good day in Piscataway. Yeah, I'd take that weather here. We got snow on the ground here in Michigan. Yeah. Uh, to, to channel my inner LeVar ball, the Buckeyes have never lost to the Scarlet Knights. <laughs> 9 and 0 all time including 49-10 last year. So I will say this isn't your older brother's Scarlet Knight team. So yep. the Buckeyes can't just come in here and roll through and expect to win. I think we're going to have a decent yeah. little fight on our hands. Yeah, um, and what's interesting about that is, you know, if you if you compare the 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 Michigan Rucker score, right, which I believe was 35-7, to seven, if right off the top of my head, I think that sounds about right. Um, so that is a 25-point spread right there where they set this one at with Ohio State being favored by 18 and a half. All right. Difference being this game is on the road in Piscataway and Rutgers is coming off and an idle week. I just thought that was something like a little bit of nuance because we're getting down to the point where we're obviously comparing Ohio State and Michigan more and more. We didn't even touch on the college football playoff stuff. Um, uh, but that that's something I'm looking at there. I do think there's a little bit in that Vegas, I would dare to say Jordan and and Jeff, we're looking at this, and I believe Rutgers can keep it a little bit closer than that as well, um, which goes, folds right into the first matchup, which is Ohio State's offense versus Rutgers' defense. As as early as you know, or as recent as I should say, as last year, thinking about Ohio State's offense going against Rutgers' defense would send a shiver down the spine of a Rutgers fan. But you look at this and you sit there and think, I think there's reasons Rutgers defense can hold out and look pretty decent against this Ohio State offense for at least quite some time in this game. Yeah, I agree completely. And no bigger reason than we don't know the health status of Kyle McCord. You know, he left the last week's game a little gimpy. We know Devin Brown is still out. Out. To my knowledge, not playing. So if, if McCord's a little gimpy... And he's not moving around this Rutgers defense. Then you force the Buckeyes to lean on a rushing attack that's been streaky, to say the best. I mean, yep. If that's that to me that's plays into Rutgers' hand. That's what Rutgers wants to do. They want you. They want to stop the run as much as they can. So you have a Buckeye offense that struggled at times running the ball. You have to look at this if you're Greg Schiano and say, okay, right. I'm going to pin my ears back and come after Kyle McCord if he's healthy and force them to beat me a different way. I agree. And and you just led me right into my point that I was going to make, which is there was a time, you know, 
recently where teams like Rutgers going against Ohio State would maybe go into it with a game plan like we got to take a shot early, maybe get outside what we do, because if we can't get points on the board, they're just going to run us off the field. My guess is Shiano has the same sort of game plan against Ohio State that he's had against a lot of teams, which is pull them into the phone booth as much as possible, play defense, run the ball, control the turnovers, and let's stay in this game as long as we can. Whether they could do that or not are two different things. I want to be clear, but I have to think that's Shiano's game plan because there is confidence that Rutgers defense and overall ruggedness can keep them into this game for quite some time on Saturday. Yeah. I, I don't see a situation where Rutgers comes out in this game and tries to be something that they're not. I think at this point in the year, they fully understand who they are. Yep. That their offensive limitations, what they are, their defense, what it is. I see Shiano fully leading into that or leaning into that. And that's why where I'm going with this game a little bit is it's kind of trending that way. I mean, okay. Now, on the other side of it, though, we look at what Rutgers is good at on offense is running the ball. Yeah. And this Ohio State defense <laughs> okay. might not be the greatest thing to be good at is running the ball because yeah. they've been pretty nasty in that regard all year. Yeah. Um, I guess, I mean, you could kind of say it's a – this is crazy to say. I was going to say strength versus weakness and weakness versus strength. I am not prepared to say Ohio State's offense is a weakness, okay? I'm, I'm not saying that. But the weaker of the two – of the two, yes. Of the two. Okay. You, have, you have to say that at this it, point. It, I, I think it's fair. I mean, I think I see it from Ohio State fans as well. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, it's just, you can't be, it's hard to be a a one-handed fighter, meaning when what I'm saying here is Rutgers offense has got a nice right hook running the ball, but they, they ain't got much. It's a limp arm on the other side when they're trying to throw the ball. This ain't the defense you want to go against you know, to be um, a one-sided offense like that. So, like, that is going to play very much into my prediction. It sounds like it's going to play into your prediction as well. The way that this gets away from Rutgers pretty quick seems pretty obvious to me, which is Rutgers turning the ball over. I mean, they have got to play this thing as close to the best as possible. And then if, honestly, Marvin Harrison just catches YOLO shots right from the get-go and just runs away, because I do, I still think, Rutgers is a little susceptible on on the edges okay and and so that is something like I struggled I struggled with this and when you see my prediction you'll see that I'm still struggling with it a couple different games in here not a lot of avenues that I see where Rutgers wins the game it's really just about where we think this game is going to land as close to the 18 and a half points yep I know I agree with you to me it's a very specific way that Rutgers wins this game they're able to establish the run muck this game up like we said keep it tight, and then break something late. Maybe a special teams play, maybe a forced McCord turnover. Something. There you go. That's the way that Rutgers wins this game is you keep it in that phone oh. booth and you make a special play late that swings it in your favor. It is all of the above. It is a, a mucky game, B, forced uh, uh, turnovers from Kyle McCord, C, break one late in the game, slash control your turnovers, and then it's D, all of the above. Yeah. Like That's what now, it's going to take. Now, having said all that, yeah, 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 I've been on this Rutgers team all year. I just don't yeah, think this is a no. good matchup for them. But like, I do think they keep this game closer than what well some experts are thinking. So if you want, you got any go more, it. I'll go, go right into it. it. So it. I do have the Buckeyes winning this game. Uh, I got it 28 to 10. So that's 18. So 
That's a Rutgers cover by the hook, but it's a safely under. And I feel mm-hmm. best about the under in this game. I think both these defenses will do a good job limiting this game. But I do think Ohio State ultimately has too much talent, too good, and the Buckeyes win comfortably. But it stays close for longer than we expect. Did it again, buddy. This is our fifth uh, time. That, you know, based on your reaction, I had a feeling that we were there. I got I got 28 to 10 as well. Uh, so that's a that's a half point cover for Rutgers is what we have right here. So we're both not extremely confident in this, but we got to do it again. So we're three and one with the exact same ATS three and one. So we, we are both that, that half point is what we're, we're banking on here. Now, obviously Rutgers could cover by more. And I can tell you, I can see a huge situation where we we're out of this game early. Like you said, if, if Marv and Travion and maybe if double E's healthy. Yes. Which I think somehow these horses hit a few early. I could see us being out of this quick, but, could be. I just think this Rutgers team is plucky and feisty, and they'll keep in there. Basically, what it comes down to for me is: Do I trust uh, things to look a, a little bit mucky, or is this the game that Ohio State just takes off, where Travion Henderson is fully healthy, Double E is back? I don't know which one it's going to be. I just slightly edge towards muckyish feel yep. for this, and, and with, with it being eleven o'clock in, Pisca- like- in Piscataway. No, McCord's yep. leg being another key factor here. We just don't know. If just he's 100% know. healthy, that might yep. be a full point swing, you know? Um, and by the way, I have it under as well. I'm ticked that Vegas has caught on to Ohio State isn't playing, you know, 52 to 13 games anymore wow. because, like, that under was just sitting there for, for weeks and weeks. But I still like this under, but, man, I would – somebody smarter and with better research team <laughs> than the Ice of Big Podcast – these have got to start being historically low game totals for Ohio State going back like 20 some years, right? I mean, oh, completely yeah. different when it's like the 80, 80s or maybe in the early 90s. But like, I got to think these have been some crazy low point totals historically for Ohio State. All right, yep. sticking in to the early window, the five and three Wisconsin Badgers coming into Sleepy Bloomington to take on the two and six Indiana Hoosiers. This is an 11 o'clock a.m. game. On BTN line, Bucky by 10 over under 45. Vegas is saying 27 to 17 Badgers. Another warm 60 degree day. Yeah, the Badgers lead the all time series 41 19 and 2. But if we remember right, last time they played, it was the Hoosiers 14, the Badgers 6, and the, the magical 2020 season with Oh, uh, that's right. Yeah. With the with the Penix. So it's been a few years yep. since they've played, but the Badgers really have a huge lead in this season series all time yeah i think mostly that's because they're the better football program of the two um starting out with uh the batchers this is apparent to me it does not seem that Braden brand allen is a go for this game i don't think we know that's what i've seen okay i'm just snooping around a little bit that's snooping around checking on that guy's soup um that's he doesn't he doesn't know i don't think anybody knows i want our listeners to know and you to know jordan I am going under the assumption that he's not playing in this game. That's for for this. That's where I went with this. That's okay. where I went with this also. Okay, which then means this is brain. This is uh, brain locks team. Um, it's your boy, right? Your BFF. So yeah, okay, <laughs> easy. Uh, just, I like him a little bit uh, better. You, yeah, you got a little you, you got the posters. You got the poster uh, <laughs> ordered. I can tell already. So. Um, I like I like Jordan is panning around to only Michigan stuff behind him. Um there's no red allowed in this house. No, I I have a no red rule as well. That's one thing we can both agree on. Um so brain lock, it honestly like 
coming out of the the tunnel at halftime, right? Because we lost Braylon Allen right before halftime against Ohio State last weekend. They asked Luke Fickle, so Braylon Allen's out. How are you going to move the ball? And basically Fickle is like, well, we're going to see how, you know, Braylon does. Nothing's changed since the second half of that game. We're down to a third string running back. I mean, I like Aker, but should be more of a complimentary thing. The offense is not running through him. They have no choice. It is time to go full, full Phil Longo here. It's going through Braden Locke. The receivers outside of Will Pauling need to start stepping up and making plays. That is how this is going to look for the rest of the year. Yep. Eat Jim Ray DK to have an appearance in this game. Like th- who's there's also, no better who's time. Gimpy. Who's Gimpy as well? Oh, is he? Okay, see, I didn't, I didn't yep. know that either. But but either yep. way, I, I mean, it, insert Badger wide receiver name. Correct. I don't care if it's DK. We need somebody else because you said Will Pollen's been good. Yep. Made plays, good. been around, making he he's been the player, but you gotta have more than one. I mean, we go back to the old adage with running backs, you gotta have a pair and a spare. You're down to your spare at running back. So now you need your spares at wide receiver to step Correct. up and make a play. <laughs> because I do think that Braden Locke has talent. And he's only going to get better and more confident with his offense the more snaps he sees. But having said that, you've got to get him targets to throw yep. to. If you're not getting open, I don't care how good you are. That can be C.J. Stroud standing back there. And if they're not open, they're not open. Correct. Um, by the way, my my – my guy that I would see clicking and stepping up would be Bryson Green. Um, but Skylar Bell, another person that's out there. I mean, there's, you know, they have five, six guys that are that they can roll in. If I'm looking at this extremely glasses half full, if I'm a Badger fan, right? I'm sitting around, I'm eating some some cheese curds, you know, drinking some uh spotted cow beer, and I'm like, I wonder how this is gonna you know wind up for the Badgers. I'm thinking, yeah, you know, now that we can only throw the ball, maybe that's a good thing. You know, maybe we just throw the ball all over the place and it winds up. I honestly think that could be the case. Like, there's no confusion anymore on what this identity is. Sometimes teams respond to that. So if I'm if I'm being glass half full, I think that's what it would be. Well, we said going into the year and as the early part of the season was going on with Wisconsin that you have to lean into what your personnel tells you you can do. So they wanted to be this air raid team in the air, and the personnel just said it doesn't work. We have horses that can run the ball. The horses have been put out to pasture, so it's time to lean into what your personnel is you telling you to do. Your personnel saying you got to throw the ball. There you go. So now, I mean, going to the other side of that with this with Indiana's defense, we saw a hell of a fight from that Indiana team Every last week. week against Penn State. Every week, we wondered. We, yeah, we've asked the question: Is this team going to quit on Tommy Ain? They haven't done it. So. If I'm Indiana and I'm seeing this situation from Wisconsin, this goes back to the Ohio State game plan from early in the year. I am pinning my ears back and coming with all hell at Braden Locke yep. and saying, I don't that, want you to have time. I'm going to blitz you with everything I have. Has to be. And make you make plays. That's what I see with it. 100%. It's what it is. Shout out to Indiana's defense and just the team in general. They have fought. The offense showed up last week versus Penn State, too. Rightfully, the Indiana defense gets most of the headlines, but, you know, the offense kept them in the game quite a bit last Sors- week. Sorsby. Sorsby Sors- seems to be their best option for right now. You know, I'm not saying Taven Jackson doesn't have a roll down a, a roll do- down the road, but right now, Sorsby seems to be in rhythm a little bit. You're going to lean into that. 
which is why I believe predicting this game is the hardest on the entire sheet. This game has the most unknown variables that could happen because I think we have two teams that need to throw the ball to have success or can Indiana run the ball? Cause I'm still not convinced this Wisconsin defense is great. That's top of the run. Okay. Um, right. But, but it seems like both teams are have are going to have to put the ball in the air to have a ton of success. That has always has a feast or famine feel to it for, for me. Um, I, I am, I love all these games. I'm, I'm a junkie with, you know, but like, I am very interested in this game. I didn't put it down as a candidate for, or maybe I did for, uh, cause it's, it's just, t- you know, like this has intrigue to me, but I I'm putting predictions out. Jordan do it. Jordan. I do it for every game. Good luck with this one, folks, as far as like this to me is a tough one. Yeah. There's no chance I would make any play on this lock of the week or, in my own personal endeavors, because like you said, there's so many variables. When you have two teams that quote need to throw the ball and have also quote struggled to throw the ball, you lead to a lot of different possibilities in this game. The question that I have is the Indiana offense last week, along with the defense actually made some plays and looked good against what we consider a very good Penn state defense. So is that an inspiring performance for them where they build on that and potentially get a little bit better? Or was that our, our last gasp, and we're running out of air, and now, okay, we shot every shot we got, and do we see it falter? I think we'll know very early in this game if this, if this line's going to get hit or if this over or under is going to get hit. We'll know before the second quarter gets here with what Indiana team shows up. Yep, go for it. So my opinion is neither one of these teams is a, is a great offense right now just because of all the questions. So I'm I'm not seeing a lot of points. But at the end of the day, I have to go with the team that is most talented. So I'm taking Wisconsin, 24, but keep it close, 17. So Hoosiers cover that 10-point line. So that's 41. That's under. If I was going to play anything personally in this, i play the under in this game because I just don't see a ton of points. Okay. So I've deked the audience and maybe you a little bit here, okay? So I, I stand by everything I said, but then I thought about it, okay? If you have this much confusion in the game but you're getting 10 points that seems like something decent to take okay so i have got wisconsin 21 indiana 17 so at 38 points i also like the under but with getting 10 points i've got indiana as my double barrel lock of the week so after all of that i I, it that is both my uh recommendation and trying to uh, make people a little bit aware, watch out, because this game could go wacky really quick. Hmm. It's interesting. I don't think I would touch it, but that's interesting. Question marks everywhere. If it was six and a half, I wouldn't touch it, even seven. But at 10, I I feel like I've got enough insurance built in there, if that makes sense. Fair enough. All right, sticking into the last game in the early window, the five and three Nebraska Cornhuskers going on the road to take on the two and six Michigan State Spartans. This is an 11 o'clock a.m. game on FS1. Line Huskers by three over under 34 and a half. So Vegas is saying something like 19 to 16. Yeah, Huskers lead the all time series nine to three. So not a ton of history here, but Sparty did win last year. And Nebraska fans will remember as the punting blunder where they punted the ball one way and covered the other way. And 
Yeah, I, th- I think they're kind of that. the story of the entire season last year. So, yeah. um, to me, I see this game, and I look at two teams that are headed complete opposite directions on the spectrum. Yes, it's Nebraska team that has seemingly figured out who they are, what they're good at, and what they can do, and that's play defense and run the ball. And I see a Michigan State team that has no freaking clue who they are, what they can do, and what they're good at, and they are spiraling because of it. Hundred uh, percent. Nebraska fans feeling good. Michigan State fans just wondering when it's all going to end. But there's one thing that they are both excellent at, and that is Ooh, turning the guess? ball, yeah. turning the ball, turning so, the ball over. Yeah. So this, I have dubbed this the TO bowl. Okay, the turnover bowl. And I looked it up. I was curious. They are both tied for second to last at 125th in Jeez. the country. Jeez. 19 turnovers apiece. They are both averaging 2.4 turnovers again there's only two teams behind michigan state and nebraska that have turned the ball over more so this is the turnover bowl i mean it is going to be so for both teams my number one note is for the love of god stop turning the ball over both teams that's the first note i put for both of them it's it would be like being a parent and sitting in between two kids and looking at your first kid and saying Leave him alone, and then looking at the other kid and saying, "And you leave him alone." It's the I'm saying the same thing. You're like you're, you're both doing this to yourself. Leave it, leave it go. By the way, I've got experience. Spider Man meme. Spider Man yeah, yeah. meme. They are Spider Man meme. Just with turnovers, because let's be just honest. Turnover. Yes, yes. You yes, you yes, move yes. past that because Nebraska is winning games in spite of their turnovers. Michigan State has largely lost games because, because of, of of their of their turnovers. So like. I don't think either one of these teams feels especially great about their offense. Okay. Um, but when Nebraska is not turning the ball over, they run the ball pretty, pretty darn well. Okay. Um, yep. They lead. I think they still lead the big 10 in, in rushing. A lot of that does have to do with the fact that because the throw game is so unavailable to them, <laughs> they have to run the ball. Right. So it's, both are true. They're a good rushing attack because they have to be a good rushing attack. I, I don't. I'm not. I don't mean that as a slight. That's just the facts of the matter. Um, they've been great about in the throw game when they do dial it up. You know, they got one of those speedy freshmen running down the field. It's it's a pullback option throw, and they go. So we'll see if Michigan State is the team that can stop one of those plays. That, that you know, I I don't think they are, by the way, but they they could be. Uh, but that's mostly what you're looking at when Nebraska has has the ball so it i mean there's potential for a lot of fun different this will be a big 10 west style game even if only 50 percent of the teams participating are technically in the big 10 west yep no the offensive side of nebraska you hit exactly what i'm thinking what i'm seeing and how i'm feeling about it for me then on the defensive side for nebraska you just need to keep being who you are Mm -hmm. like what you're Mm -hmm. doing is working you're pressuring the quarterback you're stopping the run there's not a whole lot out there and with a Spartan team that just can't seem to find anything offensively, that's I think that puts you in a good place. Curious to see if it's Hauser or we saw a little bit of Sam Levitt at the end of the game. If it's yep. going to be, we don't him. know. I, I think you, I think you have to go back to Hauser unless unless you're going to fully commit fully commit to Levitt the rest of the season. Then maybe, but I almost that almost felt like it was a, okay. We got nothing. Let's try something different here. So I think you go back to Hauser, and I think honestly, I think you got to put the ball in his hands and just. Okay. Big shots. I don't. I don't know. You're not going to line up and run the ball in this Nebraska team. No. With, a good point. With the struggles that your offense has had, so I think you need to use the run as more of a secondary option and just trust Hauser to try to throw it around. I mean, what do you have? 
to lose at this point if you're I agree. Um and um the guys that so I agree with that. Now Purdue actually if you look at their yards per carry from their running backs was not awful. There there was a little bit of success here and there, okay? But the general thought process is yes, you you throw on this defense. Um Trey Mosley, right? I mean, he's still a good receiver. Malik Carr I think would be the guy that would be the go-to guy for Michigan State's offense because I still am not sure if Nebraska is all the way there of being able to attack you that much without giving up something. So Malik Carr is a talent, man. Like, And he goes missing. I don't get it. It's probably mostly because of quarterback play, but that's somebody I would look for. That's what we're going to need to see from Michigan State for them to get points on the board. Yeah, Malik Carr was the name I was thinking. We mentioned okay. it last week. It's it's he's He's the most talented receiving option in my opinion that they have out there and like you said he's just kind of gone ghost that could be a, a quarterback thing i'm not 100 i'm not going to pretend like i've dove that much into the film maybe some other michigan people have but uh yep but boot had them throw that in there nice um, nice but uh yeah go ahead go i mean ahead if, if we get in i mean like this is another one of those situations where when i'm picking a game with a small spread i look at what's the best unit the unit i trust the most in a game Damn. that's high in turnovers i trust nebraska's defense yep so Three points. I love that. So I have Nebraska 24, Michigan State 10. So that's 34, just under. Wow. But at 14 points, that's comfortably that three points. That is my Amador double barrel lock of the week. Nebraska minus the three. They've burned you in the past for the lock yep. of the week. I'm going to trust the Huskers here. I Like I said at the beginning, I think you got two teams going opposite directions. And then I think this Nebraska defense is just good enough that they're really going to limit this Michigan State offense. I am pretty much going to repeat what you just said, except it's not my Amador double barrel lock of the week. Why? Because of also what you just said. They, I, I, they've burned me enough. I can't do. I can't go back to it again. But pr- pretty close. I've got Nebraska twenty, uh, Michigan State thirteen. So at thirty three points, I got that going just under. I do like Nebraska to to cover. A little bit skeptical with that line because. If if what we are to believe Vegas puts out there is true, on a neutral field, they think these teams are even. If you're getting even. Michigan's, you know, or or well, Michigan, Nebraska, it'd be a half, is, it'd be a half point, right? The other way, so, right? So essentially, what they're saying is that they believe this is a very close game against two teams that are you know close to each other. I don't necessarily see it like that, but I agree. But because Vegas does, that's where the stinky cheese. You know, feeling came from that was the other reason that I stayed away from that. But the number one reason is Nebraska just, you know, has been the bane of my existence for gambling. By the way, if Nebraska does that, right, they win this game, as we are both predicting, Nebraska is bowl eligible for the first time since 2017. So I can assure you there's going to be clinchy butt cheeks uh, for Nebraska watching this game. They want that off the ledger. They just want to get to a bowl, and that's what they'll be watching. Yeah, this and game especially with. with three tough games after this, this is the one that if you're Nebraska, you feel like you really have to have this game with your, your remaining schedules tough. So, Well, I wouldn't say have to, but just don't leave it up to chance. You feel a whole lot better about better. this game than okay. the next three. Correct. And if they do uh, accomplish that. My guess is they will have a couple cocktails. And if you're looking for a cocktail, how about how about this one? The Eyes on Big Podcast is sponsored by the Amador Whiskey Company. Our unique process takes the highest quality Kentucky bourbon and finishes in California wine barrels. This double barrel aging technique creates characteristics 
from the individual barrels that are blended together to make an exceptional whiskey. Perfect sip neat are in your favorite bourbon cocktail. Amador is the perfect go-to this fall on game day. Amador Whiskey Company, born in Kentucky, raised in California. Some of the adults were having cocktails last night. I'm still not there, man. Hopefully, hopefully I'm off the schneid this weekend. I can have a cocktail or two, but it, it the, you seem the to desire, have a little more bounce in your step. I feel a little bit better. It's it's like five percent better every, every single day. <laughs> All right, moving into the afternoon, the seven and one, eleventh ranked Penn State Nittany Lions going on the road to take on the five and three Maryland Terrapins. This is a two thirty p.m. game on Fox Line Nittany Lions by ten over under fifty. So Vegas is saying something like 30 to 20 Nittany Lions. Is this a rivalry? Eh. Uh, 60 degrees and sunny uh, on Saturday. I can answer your, is this a rivalry? Because the Lions own the all-time series 42-3-1, and including 30 to nothing last year. So Maryland hasn't had a lot of success in this at all. The results haven't been good. I mean, and most of those results obviously predate either Penn State or Maryland joining the Big Ten. Uh, Penn State has obviously had, you know, a, a bigger history. Um, and then you look at this matchup this year. Um, Penn State has only lost one game. Okay. A a close game on the road against Ohio State. You would think it was the end of the world listening to Penn State fans. Uh, but that is a very understandable loss, you know, going into the horseshoe. Meanwhile, Maryland, after starting out 5-0, and has dropped three in a row with the last one being on the road versus Northwestern last week. So we kind of talked about two teams before going in opposite directions. Um, These two teams are mostly going in the opposite direction, but that's mostly because Maryland has just been kind of on a nosedive here for the last. Well, the question, so so the question that I get brought up with is did Ohio state's defense break both these teams? Hmm. Because Penn state hasn't looked themselves since that game. And Maryland sure hasn't looked themselves since that game. Yeah. So is there some kind of bad juju, like getting your ass kicked about playing the Buckeyes defense that yeah. just seems to break another team's offense? So it's a pretty interesting. I mean, this this game is yeah. this game is really intriguing to me because there's a lot of different storylines and pieces to it. Outside of what I just said about what Ohio State did to both of these teams, Penn State, Chop Robinson, the pressure that they you know we didn't see a whole lot of pressure against Indiana last week. He's out, concussions, not sounding like he's going to play. Be nope. very surprised. Nope. This is now a big trap game for Penn State because you have Michigan coming next week. Yeah. Are they looking past this Maryland team because, hey, Maryland's lost three in a row. We can walk through this game. You wouldn't think Big Ten, Division One, Penn State, they wouldn't think they don't overlook games, but right. you never know with a situation yeah. like this. The storylines are a plenty they are. in this game. Wow, you're bringing up good stuff. <laughs> I may or may not be adjusting on the <laughs> am i am i putting am i moving your line if you were you Vegas, might be you might be a little bit here? the one thing i would add is you could maybe say the same thing about maryland is they let ohio state beat them twice and then maybe last week they were looking ahead towards penn state a little bit versus northwestern Possible. so like i it what you're bringing up with penn state is things that should be brought up. I I would also potentially just throw it out there with Maryland. You know, maybe they've been a distracted team as well. And now they're at home. Okay. Um, by the way, Maryland fans, why don't you pack the shell for once? See what happens. Man, you know, you would think that you would think that this, that would help this team, the energy, the emotion behind it. You got to think with this, this game, yeah. this is the biggest game they've had at home this year. That, that's gotta be a full house, right? 
I would think so. What'll be interesting is the mix. Is there going to be a lot of blue yeah. in, in this stadium here? So that's something to look out for. It looks like it's going to be 60 degrees and sunny, 2.30 kickoff. I don't think it's long for people, a lot of Penn State fans to travel in uh, in and from the Washington, D.C. area to go to this game. So that's something to keep an eye out on. You mentioned Chop Robinson. I think they'll keep him out. I, I think he'll be back, my guess is probably next week uh, for that football contest. That has to be the game plan, right? I, I would think so. Drew Aller um, st- has not looked bad all year, want to be clear. But boy, has he looked better at home than he has on the road. Um, this game on the road. Let me see something from you, Drew. You know, like better. Something better. Like a, let, let's go with like a three and one or two and oh, you know, three touchdowns, one pick, two touchdowns, no pick, like 260 to 80 yards, you know, like something like that. I mean, that I, I think I'd like to see that because Maryland's defense can be touched up in the air. They're still playing pretty decent against the run. It's, it's, it still has been a decent front seven against the run. So, Maybe Drew Aller can just kind of open it up and do a little bit more this week. Yeah, well, we, we saw a little bit of the home run plays. Like we said, the internet sleuths were, were right about Penn State's offense. So you have to think that maybe that's a little bit more of a feature. Maybe there's some confidence from like guys like KLS and that. Want to see some more Theo Johnson from the offense? Like right. I feel like he can be a weapon in the middle of the field here against this Maryland secondary. But to me, if you go to the other side of the ball with Maryland, this has got to be a YOLO game for Leah, right? Yes. Like – this is a game where you got to just, if you're locks, my first, my scripted drive and my first two possessions, I need 14 points. Like yes. I am going to empty my bag to get two touchdowns early and put a little bit of pressure on Penn State. Because like we said, Aller struggled, not struggled, but been less right. impressive on Lots the road. Yep. So let's put some pressure on him early and see if we can force a mistake out of him. So that I got to see Locke. I mean, we've seen Locks draw stuff up. We know he's a good offensive mind. I think he's got to empty the bag early in this game. Yeah, I agree. The issue is that Maryland offensive line against Northwestern last week, six sacks and nine tackles for loss. No disrespect to an improving Northwestern defense, but it ain't Penn State. Okay. And I know Chop Robinson is out, and I definitely believe he is the difference maker for that defense in the front seven. But it's not the only difference maker they got in that front seven. So I shudder to think what Penn State can bring to the to the table if they come out quick on defense. Because I, I did think they were a little bit sluggish at first uh, versus Ohio State and Indiana. But I wonder if that was kind of like a wake-up call a little bit versus Indiana last week. That is what it I'm has going to be, with. right? It has right. To be. So as you have been bringing up excellent points. I'll be honest with you. (laughs) I've gone up and down, but I came all the way back to what I came with. So I have Penn State winning this game and covering the entire time. There was never any point in my mind where I didn't predict Penn State to win and cover. It was more about how many points do I think Penn State is going to put on the board. So I'm going to stick with where I've been at kind of all week. I've got Penn State 34, Maryland 17. So that is a Pretty easy Penn State cover. Definitely considered using them as my Amador double barrel lock of the week. And at 51 points, that is 0.5 points over. There's actually a lot about this that makes me say under. Namely, what if Maryland doesn't score? I I also have the feeling that this is a, we're going to keep scoring. Maybe Maryland makes up enough mistakes. And then, of course, the James Franklin 
screw you, I'm going to cover factor. That was the line. Yep. So you said this moved down to even 10, right? Yes. Yep. 10. Of course it did. Because (laughs) I initially have this at Penn State 31, Maryland 21 for an exact 10 points. So I will... We got we got it on the fly. That, we got not okay. Yes, my my mind says that Maryland's going to come out of this game and empty the bag of tricks. So I'm going to give them the cover here. I still think Penn State wins. So I'll go 31 24 okay. Nittany Lions. So that's a Maryland cover, and I I think that gets over because I think Maryland has to go YOLO here, and they got to yeah. take shots. Maybe that's a pick six the other way, and maybe that's a big touchdown. But to me, I think that's where the extra points come from. Fair enough. Sticking in the afternoon, the three and five Illinois Fighting Illini at the five and three Minnesota Golden Gophers. This is a two thirty p.m. game on BTN. Line Gophers by just two over under forty three. So Vegas is saying something like twenty two to twenty. Gophers chilly in Minnesota. We got the snow this week too, but I think it's supposed to be warm up a little bit into the forties and dry here in Minnesota. So the Gophers lead the all time series forty thirty two and three. So pretty close. Illinois did win the last two, including last year's 26-14 victory. So why yeah. I have recent history on their side. Baked into that cake is Beetle is a gopher killer. Man, there is nothing yeah. that guy likes to do more than grill go catch himself a lawn rat, grill it so up. So you're saying he's a little bit of Bill Murray from Caddyshack? Little little bit. Interesting line here. Okay. Minnesota. Very, very, that was the okay. first thing I thought oh, was two points. I'm like, this yeah. is a stinky cheese game in my book. Stinky, stinky dude. This is like I was gonna have a bad joke in there, but stinky cheese. Okay. <laughs> Minnesota favored by two. All right. So what they're saying is on a neutral field, they think Illinois is the better football team. Okay. Right. And then you look at the records, they're they're opposite, three and five versus five and three. Illinois is definitely playing better. They've definitely got something figured out with their freshman running back. Lukey Legs has looked better coming off an idle week. I think these are all of the things that are playing into this line looking like it is. It's 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 kind of weird to me because it almost felt like this game, Vegas took preseason Illinois hmm. and figured the line off of that. Because it's like, to me, this I, I saw this game, Minnesota, like five and a half. Something like that was where I initially thought it was going to go. So, more, more. I did as well. Right. I did as well. Right. Yep. But maybe, maybe we're just missing it, reading it wrong. Well, uh, this this Illinois offense has found itself a little bit. A little so bit. Give them that. But to me, the the streakiness and the up and down of what this team has been all year makes it so hard to actually trust what you see with it. Like we know the defense is good when it wants to be good, but is it going to want to be good for four quarters for Illinois? Great question. I think, so when you said, is Vegas looking at the preseason Illinois? I would say this. I don't think they're looking at the preseason Illinois. And I think if this game happened four weeks ago, they they would have Minnesota favored by more. But I think they're seeing a, a current day, you know, beginning of November Illinois team that's playing a little bit better. And I think it's a matchup thing too, okay? Minnesota is is not the type of team that even wants to just ex- exploit you, hit the big plays. PJ is, you know, hit uh, uh, famously, begrudgingly for a lot of Gopher fans, playing it close to the vest, right? And then go win the game. It works, okay? It, it, it worked in Iowa City. It, it, it works a lot for them. So I do think PJ deserves credit for doing that. But I also think that does play into Illinois a, a little bit because I think the way to get Illinois is to hit them with with big shots. 
But if we don't think Minnesota is going to do that, which I don't think Minnesota is going to do that, where are the points going to come from? Seems to be the question with where this line is at, 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 um, what do we have? 43. Um, so, yeah. Yep. So like, that's where I think that's at. So in, interesting stuff there. To me, like th- those points have to come from, from Minnesota opening it up a little bit with Caliak Manis to, to, um, Daniel Jackson. I mean, yes. Yes. That's gotta be where it is. Has Running backs be. are all Agreed. walking wounded in the backfield. So you, yep. you gotta get a little bit, but like you said, we know PJ. He's going to be content with lining it up and running the ball. And if he finds a little he's fine winning this game 15 to 12. Like, he will do it if that's yep. what it takes to win the game. And I, I don't say I hate it. I get it. Winning is winning no matter how you get there. It'll be interesting because you said Beats is the gopher killer. Um, So what's he got in store for him here? What's what's the trick? What's the what's the play? What's the little schematic difference that yep. he's going to try to find here? Because you got to think he's got something ready for it. I think, well, and, 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 and you know, you look at the Big Ten West standings. Pretty, I, it's down to four teams. Like, no offense to Illinois, but it's it is like Illinois and Northwestern are still in it, one hundred percent. Don't get me wrong, but like, it's tough. It's it's a tough path, especially for Illinois, who they've lost to. They've already lost to uh, Nebraska um, and Wisconsin, so like that's going to play into it. So mostly, Illinois is playing for two things: get to a bowl. I, th- that is that is important to this program you don't like it's okay that you took a step back this year after you know lost a lot of talent lost a lot of talent but you do not want to take a big enough step back where you're not making a a bowl okay so that is something that is going to be important to beetle another thing that is important to beetle is beating them gophers man he hates these gophers so like i think he's going to have this team up and running i think calic manis is going to make an error that is going to hurt the team quite a bit and I think there's just not going to be quite enough pop in the rushing attack for Minnesota. So I'll go ahead and jump into it. I've got Illinois go 20, Minnesota 17. So not only do I have Illinois covering, I got him with the outright win and upset at 37 points. I really like the under 43 in this game. Um, have been keeping an eye on it, but I think it's going to start going under. Uh, definitely flirted with this being my Amador double barrel lock of the week is the under in this game. This is a first. We have the same score. Hmm. Opposite teams. Opposite. Okay. So I have Illinois 17, Minnesota 20. So 37 points. Exact same score, different teams. And this is my principle again. A game of two teams where I'm going to, it's very close, evenly matched. I'm taking it the unit I trust the most. That's the Minnesota defense. Yep. I trust that Minnesota defense the most in the game, so I'm giving them the win. That's three points. They cover, but I'm with you on the under. I don't see points. That 42-43, that, that to me, I just don't see how that happens with these two offenses and the two defenses. Yeah, how it happens is if Minnesota's running back room is suddenly healthy again. I'm banking on that they're not with this prediction, by the way. If Darius Taylor is back out there running around looking amazing, this would change things. I didn't mention that before, but I, I don't think that's going to be the case. Great story last week with the walk-on. I would have to see it two weeks in a row, so that's mostly baked into what I'm I'm saying here. All right, we're going to save one afternoon game uh, for the last on the podcast. We'll move into the evening. The 2-6 and six Purdue Boilermakers coming into the big house to take on the 8-0, number three ranked Michigan Wolverines. This is a 6.30 p.m. game on NBC. Welcome to your funeral broadcast once again, Jordan. Line Michigan by 32.5, over under 50.5. 
So Vegas is saying something like 41 to 9. Wolverines supposed to be 50 degrees and dry and nice in Ann Arbor. Nine times the Ferris Bueller day off reference for those of you old heads. Um, Michigan leads the all-time series 46-14, including uh, last season's Big Ten title game. Rematch of that, 43-22. The Boilers have not won in Ann Arbor since. Got any guess? I'll say, okay, it's got to be a lot. If I'm going to say, well, maybe Drew Brees. Okay, I'll throw out Drew Brees, 1997. 2000. So it what? hasn't been as long. 2009. Oh, I do. I don't have a mental recollection of that game. Yeah. So not as long as we would think, but it has been some time. Um, This this game is obviously storylines of plenty with everything going on. In my mind, you have to put all that aside. This team is coming off an idle week. Yep. So they've done nothing but how they've been cheating and all this for a full week. You have to think there is blood in the mouth of some of these Wolverines. And I think that that spells bad for a guy named Hudson Carter who might have some blood in his stool after this game. <laughs> because I have a feeling these Wolverines are pissed. And from what we've seen from this Boilermaker offensive line, I feel bad for Hudson Carter. Sometimes the laughing, the mic, don't pick up the laughing, but you made me laugh there. Um, dude, I, I literally have on here, sweet baby Jesus, pray for this man. Talking about Hudson Card. Like, honestly, like, I... I was I, I love toughness. If you're going to play football, it's not a contact sport. It's a collision sport. I love seeing big hits. I went on my rant with, you know, with the targeting rule, but I'm literally fearful for the hell of this quarterback Hudson card going against this front seven, because coming off an idle week pissed, like, I don't know. And fully, They're fully healthy too. Um, so Mason Grandma's club, he's hundred, like the dude, Michigan defense is hundred percent healthy right now. It's scary. Um, so that, there is not a ton of X's and O's things to talk, to talk about here. Like there isn't anything that I'm looking at where like I see a wiggle room for Purdue either when they have the ball or when they're trying to stop Michigan. I'm sorry, folks. There's just not much to break down. It is a schematic disadvantage. <laughs> it's a personnel disadvantage all around. Is there much to add that you want to add right there before? The only the only piece of this that I find interesting is last season, Ryan Walters was the only defensive coordinator that put out a game plan okay. that actually slowed down Michigan. Now, okay. he doesn't have the horses that he had at Illinois. But okay. do you remember that Michigan yeah. game, oh, game, I do. game plan last year? He had a game plan, and he executed it, and it worked. So interesting to see what kind of wrinkle okay. he throws at the offense here because he's seen these pieces and these horses. So that's the only side of it that I see that's really, truly – Interesting, I guess. I okay. No, that's a good angle. I, I'm proud of you for bringing that up. Don't think it's going to play. Um, but uh, <laughs> um, and, and but the story of this game is going to be this. Okay, Michigan has gotten off to quote unquote slow starts somewhat often this season. Would you Would you agree? Yeah. Okay. And then they boa constrict you, crock pot you, whatever you want to say, and then they they just run away with it. It it could wind up being the exact same thing this week, potentially. Okay. Um, if that happens, just shut off Twitter, Jordan, because you know what you're going to be hearing. It's oh, don't have the signals. Now they can't do it. Like that is going to be the story for the rest of the year. It's gonna start this Saturday. Thoughts I mean, to that. be fair, to be fair, that whole this whole thing came out before the Michigan State game, and Michigan State walked the signals in, and they won that forty nine nothing. So, okay, um, a little bit I, more. That's fine. 
Okay. I, I think fans that and Michigan and mostly talking Wolverine haters going to be more attuned to this on Saturday night. Like it's, it's essentially yeah. going to be me watching other college football games. Cause I don't expect this one to be that close of a contest. And then me looking at Twitter, watching Michigan fans take it in the chin. If things that's don't fair. work. Yep. That's how it's going to be. Right. Yep. So I, I have, I have one, I have one question for you in this. I, okay. I've got an over under for this game. Okay. Over under five and a half sacks for Michigan. I'll take the over. Yeah. I'll you think, think so? I, I'll take the over. And the reason I, the only reason I wouldn't take the over is because will Purdue do whatever they can to protect him and try to run the ball, shorten this game and get the hell out of there. Like that would be the main reason. And it plays into what my prediction here is in the game, because like, that's, that's the toughest part with this. Yeah. That's that's an interesting angle to me. So that's what I'm curious. I I don't have a whole lot else. Michigan, go for it. Stay healthy. Don't don't have any more injuries. You got the the first real true big game of your season is next week. So I, I see this game exactly like we've seen with the rest of the games. At this point, I I've got uh, Purdue seven, Michigan forty five. So at thirty two and a half points, um, that's 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 a cover thirty eight fifty two. I'm going over. Yeah, I just think Michigan's in in wagon mode. And you can write them right now. We're close. I got Michigan 45, Purdue 6. All right. Nah. I, 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 check, I we, we were all one point off. So I, you've got this going a point and a half over. I've gotten it going a half point over. We pretty much see the same game. Um, putting money on Michigan would, would not be a bad move, I, I think, for a lot of people. The only reason you don't is because if you think they just want to get out of there. which To I be think fair, is- I got action on Michigan early at 48 and a half. So I play the over on that. So yeah. that's nice. Okay, good for you. All right. Got to bet early. Got to bet early, kids. And that brings us to the Big Ten Game of the Week. Getting just 36% of the 763 votes. Uh, I knew this was going to be a close one. I figured it would be under 40% this week. Most of them are like 60, 70%. Yeah. There's usually a pretty obvious candidate. This week was tough. This, there's a this was a mixed bag. Yep, we'll be right back into the obvious candidate next week. The 6-2 and Iowa Hawkeyes traveling into Chicago to play in Wrigley Field to take on the 4-4 and Northwestern Wildcats. This is a 2.30 p.m. game on the cock line. Hawks by 5 over under a historically low 31, which means Vegas is saying 17-12 to Iowa. Yeah, isn't that the lowest over under ever? It's that's what the rumor is. Yes. Okay. So yep. overall total history, Iowa leads the series 53-28-3, two in a row. So last year was in Iowa City 33-13. Uh this ain't uh, this is nothing surprising, but oh. the, the big question here is Northwestern has been two different teams. They've been Northwestern at home, which is plucky, dangerous, and can beat people, and they've been Northwestern on the road, which is the Northwestern that most of us thought they were going to be right. this year. So What's this? are they on a neutral field? What is this? You know, you have know. to feel like this is a home game, but it's a baseball field and a yeah. little gambling tip for a lot of people out there. Baseball fields have a history of playing to the under. Okay. That makes sense. So I, th- I think it has something to do with like the, the offenses the feeling confined, you know, it's or, the surfaces, the surfaces too. as well. Baseball okay. fields are traditionally softer okay. than what a football field is. What I've always thought with that is that negates your pass rush because 
D line can't dig in and go. Um, yep. So you would think that would, but then also obviously wide receivers coming out of their breaks. Are wide receivers even going to run routes in this game? Would would be the question. <laughs> but um, uh, well, there will be on one side. Yeah. Well, that's true. Okay. And and by the way, it's I think it's actually supposed to be decent. I think it's supposed to be mid fifties here. It was looking uh, uh, bad for a while there for the weather. What I, I mean, but now things seem to be looking pretty good for the weather. Um, I think part of what's playing into this game for the fans, okay, picking this game, all right, Jordan, I didn't pick it, I didn't pick it. Well, there's probably two factors. I I have a decent amount of Iowa followers. I, I think that plays into it. But also, I do think people are intrigued by this being the lowest point total in his. I I, I honestly, I I believe it adds to the. Well, and you you, you throw in the BF angle. I there mean, you go. There there's Pete. That that is a play in this. Like. Yep. You know, he's he's there. He's calling plays. Is he going to call the same way? Is it going to be? Are there going to be some differences? Because now he's like, well, F it. I can do whatever the hell I want. You know, that that plays into this 100%. I think it does. Um, the issue is he's not going to call the game any different. Um, Deacon Hill right. is still going to be the quarterback. Like, again, you know, I, I something I tried to, you know, pull out on the standalone pod is just, you know, like I flirted with the, the number three quarterback being an option. I, I don't think he, he, he will be, they're going to go with Deacon Hill at number one. Why? Because they honestly, I, I fans, they're not, Iowa fans, they're, they're not trying to, to play a trick on you. They, unfortunately, they really honestly believe Deacon Hill is the best option at quarterback, but Jordan, that's, what's so sad is Deacon Hill is the best option at quarterback. I'm a glass half full guy. I try to look at, but like, there just isn't a quarterback on this roster that's going to come save it. Whether the greatest offensive coordinator on the planet was here, maybe things would look better. Don't get me wrong, but I, I, I don't think it's going to be suddenly Deacon Hill or any of these quarterbacks look like freaking Joe Namath. So this, this game to me, obviously we just talked about all the angles of BF and play calling and Deacon Hill and what he is. I want to see something off the idle week, any kind of wrinkle from Iowa. Hey, here's an idea. Let's run a flea flicker on the first play of the I game. Know. Because know. what's everybody thinking I was going to do? They got running backs. They're going to line up. Run, run a flea flicker and just see what happens. You know, something something like that. We all want to see it, obviously. But have, to me, by the way, have you been reading my tweets? I because I I have honestly asked for the flea flicker, and I feel like a dumb fan when I say it because dumb fans say flea flicker, right? But dude, the defenses are so we, packed. Michigan in. runs them all the time. And and I see them run all the time. Okay. It's called it's called a, a wrinkle in the offense. Like you said, that is something I would look for. Double, double moves. My gosh, let's try that. Cause it seems that Deacon Hill is more comfortable just throwing the ball downfield. I think we it needs to be leaned into that. And another reason that I t- I've told people, like a lot of people are very interested in um uh, Cooper DeGene running the Wildcat or somebody running the Wildcat. You know who actually ran a lot of Wildcat? Brian Ferentz. So that is one thing that I think is possible and is another reason why I I do think the best course of action for this year, the rest of the year, is to have Brian Ferentz back. So I'm talking crazy, but, geez, something different, just a little bit of something different to get the excitement going. Yeah, so this game, too, I mean, it's literally a game of we know exactly what we're going to get from one side of it, you know what you're going to get from Iowa on offense, and you know what you're going to get from Iowa on defense, including the special teams. We know what that's going to be. The question comes down to what do you get from Northwestern? So Brennan Sullivan's looked good. Bryce Kurtz has looked good at times. They've made plays. The question to me becomes, can Brendan Sullivan not make the mistakes that Iowa wants you to make with that defense? And does does he 
control the offense and keep this in a game because I can see this in a spot where this game's close for a little while and then he starts to press a little bit and throws a pick six or just a pick in general and this game snowballs away from Northwestern quickly. That's the piece I'm looking at so much because Sullivan's looked really good of late. Of but late. this Iowa defense can take that away from you fast. Yeah, um, you bring up great points. I think almost for sure Northwestern will dink and dunk because that's what Iowa's defense gives up. This is a smart coaching staff, smart players. They know to not put the ball in harm's way, which all plays into the, the, the game total, right? So like tons of 22-yard drives that stall out and punt probably for both teams, okay? Uh, so that's what you play into that. I I would be shocked if either team puts the ball in harm's way. Like this is the one game this weekend where there's a chance that the turnover total would be one turnover or less, right? Like one or zero, because both teams will have it drilled into their noggin to not turn the Protect ball over. The ball. Yep. Because that's how you so like that also plays into how quick this game is gonna go. You know, turnovers a lot of time lead to points and overs where we don't have that here. And there's, there's not much more to add other than Northwestern's defense has looked good. So is it something that will probably ask versus Iowa's offense, but continue to attack? Uh, so that that's something to look out for. And then the other thing is Iowa's rushing attack. Iowa's rushing attack looked darn good for the past month, except for that debacle that was against Minnesota, which I do think was scheme and game plan. So can they get back to running the ball? If Iowa is to cover that outlandish five-point spread, that's how they they probably do it, right, is running the ball. So that is the one thing I got a little smidgen of hope for for Iowa's offense is that they have some success running the ball. That's that's probably the biggest offensive thing to look for in this game. Yep. No, I agree with you. We've seen the Iowa running backs are healthy, and we saw before the Minnesota game what we both agreed was a better scheme and philosophy running the ball you have to expect they go back to that i mean these coaches aren't stupid they're gonna sell scout and say okay this didn't work this did work we're gonna go back to that and that's kind of why i see this game going um i think i think i was the better team overall i don't think anybody would dispute that but i do think it's a lower scoring game i just don't think either one of these offenses is explosive enough to take advantage of anything with the defenses so i see iowa 20 Northwestern 13. So that's three points. I cannot in my conscience and in my soul predict an under 31 points. It just, it just feels gross. Yep. I can't do it. Could yep. I see it? A hundred percent. I could see Iowa winning this game 13, seven, something mm-hmm. like that. Like it's entirely yep. possible. It just, I think, I just think that at some point this game is close late and Sullivan tries to make a pass and a pick six comes into play or something that pushes this over the number. Okay. Um, I think uh, part of the reason I was favored by five is is Vegas is looking at uh, Northwestern's point total versus Nebraska, which is nine. Okay, so essentially, can they're thinking can Iowa put up enough points to cover somewhere around there? Okay, I think that's what this plays into. I think Northwestern will do a little bit better closer to home, even though they're not home home uh, versus Iowa's defense. They're not going to have a ton of yards, but enough to cover. But in the end, I my somewhat famous uh, uh, line on this podcast is, are you a good enough, good enough team to not make this look like an Iowa game? Or are you a bad enough team to not make this look like an Iowa game? Northwestern is neither extraordinarily good or bad. This is going to look like an Iowa game. 
and I have Iowa winning it 16 to 13. So yeah, at 29 points, I have this going under. And not uh, not because you got to, because because I, I predicted Iowa Minnesota to go over. Okay, I'm predicting this to go under because I think it's going to go under the point total. That's that's just that's just like I said, I could 100 percent see it. Like, yes, I just think that this game, like you said, Northwestern is going to play an Iowa type game, and what happens in an Iowa type game late in the game? They make them somebody makes a mistake, and Iowa takes advantage, and I think that's exactly what happens. Yep, this could uh, be 13 13 in the fourth quarter, and Iowa gets a pick six to shut the game away. Something like that, or thirteen to thirteen, it kicks a field goal to win, which is pretty right. much what I'm predicting here. And, and the last thing I would say, from strictly from an Iowa fan point of view, as far as you know, as mentioned before, you know, tight butt cheeks watching this game. You know, Iowa fans are going to have tight butt cheeks watching this game because I tell you what, a lot of outside chatter, a lot of outside distractions. This game is huge for Iowa. They lose this game. The the feeling of dread and a negative snowball rolling down the hill will very much be into play. So one could make an argument this is the biggest game of the season right now for the Iowa Hawkeyes. You got a very inspired Northwestern team who's playing their yep. ass off. It's a scary situation. It'll be a fun game to watch. It'll be a fun game. It's going to be an agonizing game to watch for me. But the national media you. will say it's awful and terrible, and I can't believe we have to watch this game. Of course. But, you know. There might be a touch of awful, awful and terrible in, in this game, if I'm being But awful honest, and terrible in a good way. I know. Like, that's I know. part of the love of college football is that awful and terrible can be so damn fun and exciting. It's okay to like both. All right, man. You got anything to add? No, I'm ready for I'm ready for some football. And you're, you're are you ready for a different frozen uh, vegetable? Or are you doing okay yet? Yeah, I'm pretty thought out. We gotta <laughs> we gotta we gotta restock here, and I think my Tylenol is wearing off because I'm getting a little. I don't know if you've noticed, I'm getting a little squirmy. So. Yep. All right. I am Jeff the Greek. I am Jordan. Don't forget to ask for Amador. This has been the Eyes on Big Podcast. We'll talk to you soon.